and welcome to the Bristol Jazz and Blues Festival podcast series. Today, our very special guest is legendary funk and soul saxophonist, Mr. Pee Wee Ellis. Pee Wee is joined by dear friends, singer Ian Shaw and pianist Gareth Williams. Hosted by our very own Tony Benjamin. Enjoy. Well, thank you, one and all. Thank you, one and all, for attending on a bank holiday Monday morning, which uh, we obviously would rather be frolicking on a beach somewhere. But um, uh, it's great to see you all. Uh, and uh, maybe if you could one by one introduce yourself, starting with Mr. Pee Wee Ellis. Oh, OK. Well, I'm Pee Wee Ellis. <laughs> I'm in from... OK. All right, Mr. Shaw. My name's Ian Shaw, I'm in North Wales, I'm at my sister's house and I've got a very heavy cold, but that's of no consequence. The f- first four gigs of the year at the weekend and I've got a cold after having not even had a sniffle for 14 months. <laughs> There's somebody's law. There's a law about that, isn't there? It's bound to happen. And Gareth Williams, would you like to introduce yourself and say where you are? Yes, uh, I'm Gareth Williams, I'm in Sussex at the moment, um, and I too would rather be frolicking Pro- probably anywhere just frolicking <laughs> yeah frolicking not necessarily is... on a beach <laughs> well maybe if we all agree we'll all do a bit of frolicking after we finish this just to make up for it but lolloping uh... <laughs> yes yeah no i'm not so... i'm very glad to be here thank you yeah well it's great to talk to you all and and of course the reason you're all assembled here uh, uh, and the word assembly is quite kind of important here uh, it's, it's, we're delighted to know that, that the, the Bristol Jazz and Blues Festival, which has missed two years now because of the events we all know about, um, is actually now organising events for this year. And primarily it's in organising a Pee Wee Ellis and Ian Shaw and uh, Gareth Williams ensemble. Uh, what, what's it going to be called, in fact? Do you know? It's going to be called Pee Wee Ellis with Ian Shaw and Friends. <laughs> Right, so Gareth will call you friends from now on, okay? Who just reunited? Yeah, I'm, I'm his own, I'm his only friend, <laughs> but obviously valued. We're keeping all known enemies outside of the theatres. <laughs> yes, well, that that's all right. There can't be that many of those, surely. And um, we also have Simon Little on bass. Ah, right. Okay, yeah, that's good to know. Well. And the three of you have worked together quite a lot, haven't you? Um, I, I realised. Um, in yeah. fact, only last I was going to ask you about the you know, what you remember. You know, before the big events, the the, the pandemic. Um, I was going to ask you where you were last performing, but I noticed one thing: where well, you were actually on tour together, weren't you? Uh, um, just before the, the 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 pandemic came in. Um, where was that? We were, it was a it was a Christmas tour of. Germany and Austria, um, and pre-season celebration or and singing and so forth is very big in Germany yeah. and Austria. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was great fun. Absolutely. So it was Christmas just before Christmas two thousand and nineteen. Yeah, it's like the missing year. We forget the missing year. I did notice you did the um, Elb Philharmonia Hall, which is an astounding building, isn't it? It is amazing, amazing, amazing building. It's an experience in its own right, really. It's it's fa- and the acoustic is fantastic. Yeah, Ian, how, how was that gig? Oh, I loved it. I, I loved, I loved it. It was. Um, I've played there before with uh, Abdullah Ibrahim, um, and and uh, I loved it then. And I, it was a bit more fun with Pee Wee. I, I have to say, <laughs> it's always um, more fun. Always more fun. With although Pee-wee. I love. He put the I fun into them. funk, that man. Yeah, <laughs> it's, al- it's always fun. Yeah. Pee-wee, so, so uh, did you, you enjoy that tour too? Absolutely. It was amazing. Were they, were they generally venues you were familiar with already? Well, I had been to them before, but uh, it's, always, it's always good to come back to some place yeah. you know. It was a nice combination of club venues and concert venues, wasn't it? Right. We could kind of we got yeah, the best yeah. of both of those those um, atmospheres. Because you took that show to Ronnie Scott's as well, didn't you? Ronnie Scott's, yes. Yeah. Ronnie Scott's. I think we then we do uh, Pog Pro- and Bess in Vienna. Yeah, we did. We did. We did a couple in 
Austria, I think. Yeah, yeah. Over the, over the time. Right. The the uh, the Hamburg uh, Elbe Harmonia is amazing, and of course it's about a hundred yards or something from the Steinway factory. So yeah, <laughs> you, you couldn't have better piano. There can't be better pianos in the world. The only yeah. slight drawback being that we use keyboards as well, uh, and when you hire keyboards. Hammond and Rhodes, they're always tuned to the American 440. Oh. Which oh. is not how the Germans tune. So there's always a, it's always a slight problem there. <laughs> well, it's quite a slight problem, yes. But, um, yeah. Well, look, yeah. At, look, look at that over. We You're did, very much yeah. at the mercy yeah. of the pianist, aren't you, with, with whatever you find when you get there. And, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I know you have to make the best of a bad job sometimes. But that was, I mean, they were great pianos, though. Wow. Yeah. Also, it was great fun to uh, reduce the textures in that show as well, you know, and just have Gareth and, uh, and Pee Wee and me or China just bring it down and sort of reduce the uh, rhythm section uh, and have lovely Denny Eilis on a few things as well. It's a great show because it, it, it references jazz in as much as it references funk and soul for me which is why i really like it because those are all my things <laughs> yeah. thangs i think that's your thangs my thangs yeah <laughs> yeah um, so so in terms of planning for this 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 gig for the for se- is september isn't it um do you know what the exact date of the gig is uh september 2nd september the 2nd yeah which is yeah. going to be really great and the and uh obviously we've all been so starved of sitting in a room with real, real music. I mean, I just got some this weekend in Brighton. It was just fantastic. Uh, not yeah. Brighton, actually, Becks Hill. Um, but yeah, it's 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 so re- reaffirmed for me. You know, the the I've always le- lived and loved you know, for live music, and it's just been like no oxygen in the air for a f- fifteen months, and now suddenly I can breathe again. You know, and. Uh, I'm almost, almost like I don't have a quality threshold. It's like I just do it and I'll watch and I'll love it, you know, because you're there and I'm here. I kind of want to go and hear it more than I want to do it myself. It's kind of, it's been a very strange psychological twists and turns this year. I'm longing to go and go to lots of gigs myself and not Mm. get involved with them as a singer or a player. I don't know what that's about. I think it's just what you said, really. Just want to hear, hear Mm. it in the, in the flesh. Yeah. So, uh, when are you all next performing, uh, Gareth? Have you got immediate gigs? Uh, well, at the moment, uh, I'm recording every Sunday in St Albans in a little theatre um, oh. with Clark Tracy and a, and a sort and Andy Kleiner and assorted others. It's Clark's. Uh, concept that he we will record concerts and then later live stream them right because there still is an issue uh with people coming to to gigs a lot of perhaps more frail or perhaps more elderly people are still worried and so it offers them the opportunity to 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 watch a gig which to all intents and purposes is a gig but of course it's it, it you know it's very different but it's it's a it is has proved to be quite a good halfway house for some people, um, and it's a way of trying to kick off a jazz scene again. Uh, regional jazz clubs have folded. I know that um, the one in uh, West London, which I've forgotten the name of, uh, Shepperton has gone, uh, Folkestone has gone, really, and they were only once a week clubs, mm. but they were the bread and butter of the British jazz mm. scene, and and mm. you know. One cannot live on caviar alone. No, no, no. Well, who's going to breed the caviar as well? You know, those those clubs are also where talent emerges. I mean, I think some of the people Pee Wee's brought on, like Josh Arcaleo, and you know, that the first time I saw them was in the Bebop Club in Bristol, which was a thirty-five seat venue, I think it is, and of course, physically impossible to do on social distancing because there would only be three people there, and and you know, yeah, right. Um, but but yeah, that's jazz. That... Sorry, Ian. as Gareth said, you know, it's it's those gigs. I, I remember Wakefield was one of my first of those type of gigs years and years and years ago, with Claire Martin and Arnie Somerji and Dave Newton, and I couldn't believe the amount of love and passion mm. and hard work that goes into 
into that kind of you know where there's a committee that decides what music they want to have for that particular season and it's they're just the nicest gigs in the world mm. you know because it's they're put on by people who really love the music absolutely yeah. and generally attended by the same as well you get a very attentive audience don't you there are some of them are coming back grad gradually i think um and there's a couple of new things cropping up as well you know which isn't to say that it's terrible that some of the old ones have had to fold but i do in the last week i've just felt looking at my diary just felt a few things coming up that i've never played at before let's hope that they learn from not mistakes but learn from how to put music on from you know from their peers mm. in, in, uh, um, and a lot of the promoters have crossed over into doing other projects as well um, so I played the Nottingham Peggy Skylight. It's wonderful, you know. It's a, I don't know, 150 people you could get in there um, normally in normal times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, but again, it was put together by musicians and artists. Right. Uh, the chef is a, is a top-notch singer who had a record deal in America. Right. She was great. She came and duetted with me with a ladle in her hand. It was. <laughs> Perhaps she'd heard about you, Ian. Perhaps it was, perhaps it was a self-defence strategy. As it were, yeah. If you get too loud. Yes, I mean, capacity is going to be a big problem. I did, a, I did my first gig back for Hazelmere Festival uh, in a large church to a full house of 45. Yeah, yeah. Sitting in triangular separation. Yes. Wow! Wow! Yeah. It, have you? Have you? Have you, Pee Wee? Have you played to one of these distant audiences yet? Not yet. No. Well, I'm, I'm playing um, Burn Agnes in uh, July. July tenth. Well, sorry, I don't know Burnt Agnes. Where's that? But Burnt Agnes is in Derbyshire, right. I think. Burton Agnes Hall, is that right? Yeah. Ah, right. And is that it? What kind of venue is that then? It's a. It's a. Oh, Elizabethan Manor House. Oh, really? Oh. I'm just confused here. Is Bert and Agnes like a couple, or is it a place called Burton Agnes? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Burton Agnes. Burton Agnes Hall. Burton Agnes Hall. <laughs> Uh, uh, right. It's it's not Annie Hall's sister. Oh, and brother. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Burton Agnes Elizabethan historic stately home right. <laughs> visitor attraction in East Yorkshire. They need some more commons in there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it's obviously got an art centre theatre. I don't right. think I've played there before. I think I think I brought the tone right down. There. I had this picture of this lovely couple called Bert and Agnes who were <laughs> sorting out gigs for for, uh, for the jazz world, and I thought, what a great couple they must be. It was Richard Burton's third wife after Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> yeah. a, lit, a little known Welsh yeah. woman called Agnes Jenkins. <laughs> she was clearly, uh, yeah, she could be very short term, in, but he often was, wasn't he? Yeah. Then there's Shepton Mallet, of course. <laughs> oh, yes. yes you, you don't want to hit that one too hard. No. But, yeah. What, what? <laughs> so, in terms of planning for 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 the gig in September, um, is is that is that still in the very early stages or very very early? I'm still wondering what we're going to do. <laughs> well, in fairness, we have discussed. We have got a sort of set list and working on that, aren't we? Well, yeah. <laughs> or, or do you disagree with everything I suggested? <laughs> Possibly I shouldn't have lifted the lid on that one, should I? Uh, well, yes, he's re revising as we breathe, yeah. 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 It'll, it'll come clear on, on the day. It'll be all right on the night, I'm sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. So how, how I just does turn it up work? and sing. Do you generally work from each... Yeah, I know you've worked together, but obviously, Ian, you've got a very considerable repertoire of your own, including your own material. Does that? Do, do any of your own songs come into this? No, I'm not really a very prolific songwriter. I, I'm not. I don't do that. I mostly sort of interpret other people's material uh, oh. of all <laughs> of all shapes, sizes, and hues, and hefts and thrusts. I do write, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I love collaborating. I, I love writing lyrics to existing melodies. That's that's good fun. Mm -hmm. Maybe one day we'll do we'll do that together. But I just like um, I like the fact that I like to slot in with it, whatever goes, really, which is, I suppose, an old session singer's mm -hmm. head. But I always enjoy it. There's nothing I don't 
enjoy you know and i know that with these guys the the tunes that are chosen the songs that are chosen are always going to be really good quality mm -hmm. you know yeah that's uh, right I, i'm kind of um, I'm, I'm i'm i can't wait to, to see what we do <laughs> yeah, a little surprise for the band this is an interesting thought really yeah. yeah, I mean it's difficult. To, it's difficult. The Christmas show is difficult because you fall into the same traps. Yeah. You know, do I ever want to sing Jeff's nuts roasting on an open fire again? No, I do not really. But it's a, <laughs> it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful song. But you, I think you blew it. You not you blew it as in you you you, you made it terrible. But you played it, didn't you? I don't think we. I don't think I sang the lyrics last time. I think it, I think you just played it. <laughs> it's a beautiful did, tune. Did you did you sing it? Uh, no, I know. I think no. you, Pee and I. Played it as a duo yeah. a few times, didn't we? Yeah, right. it's gorgeous, yeah. and that's where it, that's how it should remain. Really, yeah. it's a completely ridiculous lyric. You know. Yeah, that one. Uh, but it's the same with body and soul. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody knows a turkey. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know one when you hear one, don't you? Basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the thing yeah. is, I, no. I suppose if you're going to do that Christmassy stuff, particularly like if you say it's very big respected in, in Germany and Austria and places um, you've either got to do it sincerely or, or you know you can't you can't mock it can you really I mean some of it is, no. is self-mocking but 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 a lot of it it's got to be done um, with with a Absolutely. degree of, of commitment and, and and playing it instrumentally obviously gets around the issue of the words well I think that's that's a, that's an actu that's a fundamental issue with uh, the longevity and legacy of, of Broadway music in jazz Mm. in that the music has outlasted the lyrics by about 60 years. I sang something the other... I sang a couple the other night and a, and a woman in the audience who was a friend of mine said, I don't like those lyrics, you should change those lyrics. <laughs> because from a pre-war patriarchal era where women are desperate to be in love with men and, and it, yeah. it isn't relevant, but the melodies, particularly because they've existed... For longer as jazz standards than yeah. they did as Broadway music's Broadway music, mm. they they become better than their you know. If I listen to a version of Stella by Starlight without Bill Evans chords in it, I think, well, where are all the missing chords? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the thing is, they're only missing because it's been recomposed by Bill Evans and Herbie Hancock and Miles yeah. Davis. Yeah. So it is no longer Stella by Starlight, and it, and you certainly don't want to sing. Stella by Starlight, for God's sake. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard it sung, actually. But, but I, I sympathise with your audience, because I've actually had that experience myself over the years. Tunes which I've heard played over and over again in different ways by different jazz musicians. And I didn't even know they were a song originally. You know, and then I hear them with the lyrics, and, and I have that experience. Like, oh dear, that was why did they think of putting lyrics to that song? It's such a beautiful improvised bass melody or whatever, you know, it, it, as you say, you're so great with Bill Evans chords or whatever. There are some terrible lyrics. I mean, polka dots and moonbeams, like, uh, go away. It's just so <laughs> irrelevant to my, anything I've ever experienced. You know, oh, the, the one you know, which is a great, um, ba -ba -di -da -da, be -di 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 -di. what's that called? <laughs> da -da 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 oh, Anyway, it's the lyrics are disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> I mean not not, not, not foul. However, yeah. however, Billy Stray, there's Billy Strayhorn, there's Lawrence Hart, uh, yeah. Ira Gershwin. Um, yeah. There are some very fine, timeless lyrics. Yeah, written. yeah. You know, Daydream yeah. is beautiful. Yeah. Lush life. You know, beautiful. Lush All of the Lawrence Hart life, lyrics. My but I think those have oh, very, survived very the songs well throughout, haven't they? Because singers have always wanted to sing them. I think the reason these lyrics are not known is because singers didn't really want to sing them, as you're expressing now. So Maybe, uh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe Sorry. Mabel Mercer. Nobody Else But Me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the yeah. lyrics uh, I'm it's something like, I'm not very good and you're not very good. <laughs> Well, it's compatibility it's, it's there. Not, it's not quite that, but it's as bad as that. <laughs> and yet it's one of the... It's a great piece of music. Yeah. yeah Terrible yeah. lyric. Yeah. There's a couple of lyrics that are written, you think, um, what was going on there? Was was there a drink involved or something? Hal David's written some absolute stinkers with back. Oh, really? Not good. You know. Yeah. And I'll sing them, you know, because they're good fun. The tunes are great, but... 
um, some terrible ones, terrible ones. But they mm. all, you know, there's all these. Somebody should do a study of there's a, you know, Bernie Taupin and Elton John. There have been some major flaws in their collaborations as yeah. well. Yeah. Where they've run out of rhymes, so they just can't be bothered. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like years yeah. and years ago, a band called the Turtles, who became part of Frank Zappa's um, ensemble. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and their song, they had major pop hits, and they were totally unlikely pop stars, but they just very cunningly wrote these pop And the one I remember is, um, uh, uh, what's it? Eleanor G, I think you're swell, and I really like you well, you're my pride and joy, etc. <laughs> and they actually sing that in a pop song, and it was a number one, you know. <laughs> and, and, and oh yeah, I remember. I remember what it was. It was. I miss the Earth so much. I miss my wife. It's lonely out in space. For a uh, there's no one there to raise my kids. If I did, there's no one there to raise them. If I did, yeah. Well, they did turn them out rather fast, didn't they? But then you have songs like. I get along with you very well. Yeah. That's a great lyric. Yeah. Great lyric. I just think the line, you, you took the part that once was my heart. You know, just take yes. the odd line of that. Like, that. You can think about that for a long, long time. It just absolutely yeah. says so much, doesn't it? And yeah. and yeah, it's just a throwaway line. Also, how strange the change from major to minor. That's another one of those. Because it does it, doesn't it? You know, It really actually does it, yeah. Yeah. Pee-wee, what's, what's the Nancy Wilson tune that you love? that I, I sang. Um, you arranged the strings on it. Do you remember? Was it Nancy Wilson? No, it wasn't Nancy Wilson. It was um, Esther Phillips. Esther Phillips. Esther Phillips. Yeah. Oh, yes. Ooh. Can't remember the title. It was a gr- it's a great lyric and a great song. Esther Phillips song that ended. Yeah, yeah. It, that was great to sing because I didn't know it before. And, oh, 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 oh. I, I loved that you loved Joy it. Rose. And that... That's the one, Georgia Rose. Georgia yeah. Rose, that's a great song. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it made song. it good for me because I know that you loved it. In fact, you. I did love the first it. time we did it, you burst into tears. You fool. <laughs> <laughs> that's passion. That's not foolishness. <laughs> well, you did it, Sean. Show. <laughs> Yeah, and I think yeah. I mean, that's one of the things I learned through UP because I, I I think Esther Phillips' repertoire and her you know is woefully undersung. You know, I mean, in terms of kept alive by other singers because she's just astonishing. You know, and and yet she she's still not really understood to be one of the great names of of female singing. I don't get that. I don't get it either. Well, I came to her through pop music. She had a pop career in the seventies. Uh, she was working right. with, with um, Joe Beck. She did an album yeah. with Joe Beck. Yeah. yeah, she had a hit with "What a Difference a Day Made." Twenty-four oh. little hours. <laughs> I mean, it was number two in the charts or something. So I, I found uh, her, you know, surrounded by Slade and Floyd and T Rex and Bowie. Yeah, nothing wrong with any of that. And then suddenly there's Esther Phillips singing an old standard mm. from the thirties. So, ah. I think I remember that record. I don't think I remembered it, noting at the time it was Esther Phillips. That's a, that's a, that's a shame. Yeah. yeah. And the album, I remember the album cover, it was her sitting in this beautiful dress and she, she had a, what looked like a boa constrictor wrapped around her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, do you remember? Actually a live snake. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was that one yeah. of your uh, productions, Pee-wee? Was that one that, where you were the arranger? Well, I was part, uh, I was partly the arranger. Yeah. But uh, Joe Beck did that particular song. Right. Yeah, Pee Wee hired the snake. <laughs> he was the wrangler. <laughs> you wrangling snakes, Pee Wee. That's another one for your yeah. CV that nobody knows. Right. It was originally a goat, but they didn't think it would work <laughs> aesthetically. <laughs> oh dear. So I, I, yeah, you kind of see those pictures. You you never think it's going to be a live snake. I have to say, it's uh, very well done of her to handle it. You know, it's uh, one of those yeah. things. I really want to find it now. I might do. If I, if I do this, do it, is it going to still continue to record? I'll find it. I'm going to Google it because I'm modern. Oh, wow. Esther Phillips. Where's... Esther Phillips. You're so modern, Ian. <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> We're back. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There she is. There you go. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. Amazing, isn't it? She looks like a queen of Egypt, doesn't she? Yeah, and I wondered what 
forward slash Beck was. And then I, years and years later, I what he I did a couple of records with him in New York. Wow. He was a, he was a troubled man, but a fantastic oh. guitar player. Yeah, but I was going to ask Peewee a bit because Peewee, obviously, in your career, that there was the funk and the big funk, and that, and and all the while you were you were kind of a, a jazz player. Uh, and and um, I do so remember it was a Bath festival about oh, probably about fifteen years ago. Seeing you do a, a jazz trio instrumental set um, in the Green oh, yeah. Park Brasserie in Bath, um, oh, yeah. and I'd never seen you play jazz before, and it tone knocked me. Oh, yeah, I was always a fan of your music, but it knocked me out <laughs> that there was all this in you that that on the whole didn't get get to be seen when you were doing your funk sets, and um, right. has it. Has it been easy keeping that alive all these years, as it were, when people no, always say, oh, do pass the peas, do, do the chicken, you know? Yeah, well, it's not been easy, you know, but you do what you have to do. I mean, I, mean, I could... Sorry, Gareth, were you going to say? I was going to say that Peewee does practice... I do hear him practicing, you know, and he always, he nearly always practices jazz, so he yeah. does keep it in. But if you, <laughs> but you, but it, it is. I mean, as I've found through lockdown, if you don't play jazz gigs on a regular basis, the thought processes do diminish. You know, the synapses atrophy, and the yeah. ideas aren't as fluid. So you do have to be on it. But I mean, Pee Wee does genuinely practice jazz, so. It's it's always there when he needs it. Certainly is. Yeah, well, would it. you agree with that, Pee Wee? Or I, I do agree with that, but it also comes with uh, muscle memory. Yeah. Right. And and then then there's the element of the, the particular instance, the, the instance, and the things going on around you. Yeah. Like Gareth, you're a great inspiration, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you mean uh, you mean a risk taker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and no you make me thing. take the risk. Yeah, and I think that's the thing about jazz as a live music. Yeah, and for me, I mean, I love listening to jazz records, but as I was saying earlier, you know, to, for me. It, the oxygen in the air is when live musicians, you know, are, are working together, and the best gigs are where you can almost hear the interaction, not just in the music, but you can almost sort of hear the vibrations moving between the musicians as the ideas take shape and, and yeah. become something. Uh, you know, and sometimes yeah. you can always yeah. see the surprise on people's faces from the audience. You know, and think, "Wow, you didn't know that was coming, but you found it together, <laughs> right spot on the beat." You know, and and, um, and that, you know, obviously is is a kind of existential thing that jazz has that other music doesn't have I, you know it's quite obvious as well that's it other world music magic. have it but you know for us jazz is the main place you go to look for that so without the live events you know obviously those skills must must take a bit of a finding again yeah i mean that's i think there i think once you've done it enough that they are effectively intrinsic you don't lose them but but um you know just as you don't necessarily lose the ability to walk if you have to spend three months in bed, but it's it's harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you might stumble a bit as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was when people say it's like riding a bike. I was I was thinking, well, you mean no? Because if, if I got on a bike now, I'd fall off. <laughs> I always say, and nobody notices I say, I say, oh, it's like falling off a bike, you never forget. And people don't comment on that. But, but actually, no. I think that's the bit you don't forget, is how to fall off a bike. That, that's, that's the intrinsic bit. Yeah. <laughs> Bikes yeah. are designed for that. Well, I, you know, I fell off my motorcycle. Yeah. On purpose, because I was going around a curve and we in Central Park. And the curve came up too quickly. <laughs> <laughs> it will do that. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of ab abandoned the motorcycle. You know? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> was, your, your legs were all right, were they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I came off my motorcycle last autumn and I broke my leg, so... Uh, oh, really? I, oh, I had to. Uh, I had to uh, learn to walk, like Gareth just said, and... Uh, 
And are you still riding there? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was, it was really most for us. And so, uh, the only thing was, obviously, because we travel bands and stuff. You know, it wasn't like I was missing out on a lot of riding, so it didn't hurt quite so badly no. in that respect. But no, no. But would... Pee Wee, this was in uh, if this was in Central Park and it's in America yeah. and the curb right. came up too quickly, surely you could sue the curb. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's America after all. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah someone, someone's yeah. responsible. Someone's got to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I think it was my fault. So. <laughs> <laughs> Never say that when the curb can hear. Well, if the curb can hear, you don't hear it. You know. <laughs> the fact that you abandoned the bike would lead me to the same conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> So do you ride? Oh, do you ride boy. motorbikes, Ian? No. Oh right. The way you said it, I kind of thought maybe you're thinking, oh yeah. No, no. Um, I've got a, a um, I've got a place on the beach down in Kent, and I have a, uh, a what's called a lady bike. I went into the local Highs cycle repair shop during lockdown, and I said, "Can I have a bike, please?" And I've always found that lady bikes are far more comfortable for us yeah. blokes to ride what's all that yeah. crossbar nonsense you know unless you're going to race and i wasn't i just want to poodle along yeah. the prom you know so i don't i did i did have an accident myself not that this is kind of um my accident's better than yours but i was playing in a piano bar in <laughs> bermuda when i was like 21 22 and it was my first taste of perno and i got on uh, my little bike my little you know god knows what it was honda 50 or something and i couldn't remember which country I was in. I thought, I'm hot. It must be in Spain or something. Oh. I was very drunk. And I ended up in um, yeah. in an induced coma for two days. Uh, and they called my parents as well. Uh, I woke up. With, there was an Irish nurse. And she said, you were like a jam sandwich when we brought you in. <laughs> it's one of the things Ooh. you remember. But that was the scars from that what, one What accident. flavor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure raspberry or one <laughs> yeah, I quite like them though. My brother-in-law's just got a new bike. Well, he's had his bike fixed here, so I quite like um, the idea of them. But it's not for me really. Um, right. Yeah, London. You don't want a bike. You don't even want a car in London anymore. It's just impossible. Mm. Well, actually, I used to cycle in London. I mean, I think London's great for cycling because it's pretty much flat, isn't it? You know, it's it's just it's yeah, full it's of lethal, nasty lethal. It is lethal. Yeah, lethal. Yeah. Lethal. The bike. The bike lanes are even more lethal. There's confusion reigns yeah. with cyclists. People have been killed, and people listen oh, to their yeah. music, you know, on their bikes. And no, I, 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 I don't know. think it's good, London. No. But the yeah. southeast yeah. coast of Kent is perfect because that really is flat. Right. <laughs> so I get well, Veronica out and give yeah. her a good thrashing along from Hythe to Folkestone. So, so where we were talking about and um, about forthcoming gigs. Uh, um, you you were saying you're at Ronnie Scott's, Ian? Yeah, and then uh, Friday, Saturday next weekend, yeah. doing. A, I've got a project called When Bowie Met Joni, because I found some great David Bowie tunes, which are very singable. So, right. uh, And they, they did meet in my head in Flint Library, because I borrowed um, Hunky Dory, then I borrowed Blue, and I thought they were the same person. Right. Because they look the same on the cover, the chiselled cheekbones and stuff. Right. And I imagine yeah, that they. I can see that. I, I just couldn't couldn't believe that they didn't know each other. Uh, right. So, so in my imagination, and Bowie's lyrics and Joni's lyrics sit quite close closely together. Mm. They're quite obscure. They're poetry rather than lyrics. Uh, so they're really singable and really arrangeable. And I've got uh, a new band which is a bit more electric than I've. I haven't abandoned the trio, but. I've got David Preston on guitar, Connor Chaplin on double on electric bass, oh. and oh yeah, yeah. So we'll see, but <clears throat> I yeah. need to shift this cold first. <laughs> yes, sod's law. Uh, yeah, um, but yeah, that's a that's a. They seem to be getting their act together at Ronnie Scott's, you know. Um, yeah, uh, it's not. Yeah, I think yeah. it's sixty percent capacity or something. They'll notch notch it up. Because yeah, it's quite crammed when it's normal, the normal capacity. Isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, on those sort of pew seats, yeah, you, you're very much um, yeah. knee to knee with everybody else. So I've done a few live, live streams. I did one with Claire Martin, which was really good fun, and they've plexiglassed everything. And it was quite magical, actually. Right. Claire had this amazing sparkly sort of sequin top on, and the whole of the... It just went bananas <laughs> in the room. It was great. Yeah. It was quite... 
all these funny little things that come out of something that isn't that funny at all. No. Um, mm. But, they, yeah, they're, they're lucky. They got a humongous grant. You know, they're lucky. And as mm. Gareth was saying, yeah, you've got yeah. that happening and then you've got smaller venues just folding because they, they haven't got 50 quid, you know. Mm. I, th- I think the shame of that is what you said about the love that the people, the devotion that people have put in to keep those venues going, you know, through some very lean times for the for, for jazz as its profile in, in, in the musical world, you know, and it comes and it goes. But they've kept the things going, the clubs going and, and the venues going, no doubt. Well, I know. I think this some, was... Out of their own I mean, pocket it... a lot of the time. Well, this is the this is the point, and they've run out of that pocket. Yeah. Um, and the shrinking, the systematic shrinking of local authorities over the yeah. last twenty years has meant that the few hundred quid here and there that those little clubs used to get from their local authorities has gone. So it is down to their own back pocket. Mm. Uh, and the fact that some of them, you know, a lot of the volunteers are able to volunteer because they're retired. They've gone through a pandemic, and that's that's it. They can't. They haven't got any more energy or money. No. Uh, no. And that it's the grassroots funding that's that's appallingly lacking. I'm afraid. Hmm. And it's nice to see some of the younger generation's resilience as well. Um, uh, Connor Chaplin's been delivering false teeth. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Somebody has oh. to. You know, it's a, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, Den- he calls it the denture venture, and it's a f- pretty much a full time job, you know. Well, I didn't get paid, I just threw myself into volunteering for food banks, which really did yeah. help a lot, help my sanity as well. Um, because yeah. you know, those days were getting very long, mm-hmm. so that was a good thing to do, it was a good spiritual thing to do, I think. I hope, yeah. A crucial thing, a crucial thing that's been going on and very, very important in the situation, I think. Well, yeah, see, seeing from the inside, I mean, everyone's called Derek, which is interesting. If there's a trestle oh, right. table in a church, there are at least five Derricks involved. Um, right. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was all right. It was all right. And it was nice being completely uh, anonymous because you're masked, you go in, you've got a job to do. And it's quite, yeah. it's quite a, it's, it was quite enriching, really, because it was the opposite of entertaining people. You had to, yeah, just do something that needed doing. You know, uh, yeah, hand yeah. warmers were my 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 points of expertise. We managed to get a, a small company in East Croydon to supply thousands of these little hand warmers. That because during the winter, if your hands are warm, it warms your body mm. to a certain yeah. extent. Yeah. Yeah, so those good. those those were good, but very heavy, very what, heavy too. So what are, are these the things that you click a, a metal disc in, that sort of thing? Yeah, 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 exactly that. Yeah, yeah, I used to have them for camping. Yeah, and then they you were just very put, well received. Yeah, but they're yeah. really heavy. So when you're on <laughs> your own, because you can't really make any contact with anyone, you have to do all the lifting yeah. into the car, out of the car, and I got I got three mm. tickets in London. Three parking tickets. Oh. I said, "Do you know what I'm doing?" I'm <laughs> for the homeless. Are you gonna really give me a ticket? Is this what this has come to now? Yeah, I'm just doing my job. You know, you're the only person yeah. to be seen for miles in exactly, exactly. deserted London. So much empty space to park in. What else? What else am I doing? You know, <laughs> never mind. Never yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. So Pee Wee, how about yeah. um, uh, in terms of the Getting the getting the band together and back on the road. Uh, have you got any any plans for that? Oh, we've got some gigs in the book. We've got your uh, birthday at Ronnie's. Ah, yes, right. Uh, my so birthday is, at Ronnie's. It's probably in July, I think. Quite soon then. October. October. All right. We've got some gigs. Um, in Viet- uh, in uh, in Austria, I think we got at least one gig in Austria, one in Prague. Some real, yeah, some, some European things. In... Uh-huh. And this is with the full assembly type band, is it? Will that be Foolish. China Motors as well, or no? 
Yeah, it's the band that, roughly speaking, has been doing you know, lots of European gigs over the last 10, 15 years, really. Yeah. And it's largely a funk set. Yeah. Which is, happens to be what Mr. Pee Wee is also very good at <laughs> and very well known for. Uh, I, I think doing a, a, a fun project in America with Fred Wesley. Ah. So, uh, a bus trip. Oh, right, great. And we, we, I have a friend who makes tour buses. Yeah. And uh, he's agreed to take us around to museums, churches, and barbecue places. And uh, not, not, not much plan, maybe some lectures, playing uh, uh, with church choirs. Ah. I've heard that Fred Wesley, he's, he's going to be really good, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's practicing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He'll catch up with you one day, Pee Wee, that's the thing. You tell him that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, uh, in, I was just thinking then that you, 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 you've got so much to tell people, haven't you? Uh, you know, Pee Wee, and, and I suppose that's that's the thing is that, that people often really want to hear your life story as much as anything. Uh, because well, uh, I'm doing, you've been I'm, there. I'm doing a book. I'm writing a book. Excellent, excellent. Long overdue. Uh huh. Um, I'm still living yet, so I don't know how much. <laughs> It's got to be hard to to, to have, have you kept notes or diaries or anything? Have you got or is it all about your recall from your head? Unfortunately, be as much as I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be there are some things that you'll never forget though. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But well, I'm not sure. Are they going to make it into the book though? Oh <laughs> no, that, that's a problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've I've interviewed you. Two or three times on stage, and we we had that wonderful in, audience with you know, and mm. you are you can remember, it's almost like tap it and unwrap yeah. it. You know, as soon as, as soon as you remember one thing, it leads on to another thing, and then you think, oh, by the way, couldn't yeah. get yeah. on stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mind you, I did that. I I did that with Pee Wee and Fred one time, and um, uh, we'd we'd watched the film of. Um, the night James Brown saved Boston, that that film. Um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And we were, and the thing was, they both remember things amazingly. They just don't agree all the time. <laughs> so people would say, "Oh, I think you're fine." <laughs> and then people would do the same to to, to Fred shortly afterwards. But um, but that's more interesting in a way. Is uh, that's how life we're is. Able- isn't it? Very good writer who's going to help me with the book. Kevin Legendre. Oh yeah. Oh well, he's a very good man. Yeah, yeah so. he's good. He's sharp. Yeah. 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 And also, you've got so much on the record. Yeah, there's so much stuff on record that you can co- you look back at and find, and you know, to to prompt your memory with, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, that's what I'm hoping. Uh, I'm starting to put it together now, and I've written uh, quite a bit myself. Mm. Yeah, and most of your memories are triggered by music, aren't they? Yeah, that's true. Phases yeah. of your career, yeah. I like the boat bits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's my favourite. Yeah. That's my favourite. And whose boat was it before? <laughs> that's just the bit I like. Whose boat was it before, Pee Wee? It was, uh, let's see, uh, uh, what's his name? Otis Willing. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> of fam- famous for songs about boats and docks, Otis Redding. <laughs> yeah, Otis Redding, yeah. Yeah, he, he, but he didn't write he didn't write sinking in the boat in the bay. Exactly. Sinking no, to the uh, bottom of the bay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> while what while watching television. <laughs> <laughs> With Dave Liebman. 
Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh that's, I didn't know that part of the story, eh? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well. The, the Dave Liebman connection is very important. That's, that's imperative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you've ever met Dave Liebman. I've never met him. He would yeah. take your shit, would he? Well, well, I just, we were kind of on rugby pair. Yeah, it is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> That's a match made in Devon, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had a good band, though. Yeah. And Dave. Some of that stuff's yeah. amazing, that funk stuff you did. Yeah. Oh, amazing stuff. Well, all of it is, but I mean, there were one or two tracks that really, amazed, that really stand out. Yeah. Is that is that available on record? That stuff still? Do you think? Yeah. 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 You can find it on. Uh, let's see. What can you find that record? Like that, please. Uh huh. And mine was reissued. Is it? Oh, great. On, on my website, there's a discography. Dave Lehman, lighten up, lighten up, up, please. Mm -hmm. and also, my record at the same time was uh, Home in the Country. Right. So here's on my record, I was on his record. <clears throat> when, it's interesting that, of all things, this should he should make a record with the word please in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a word that he's never used. <laughs> That's a now, now would have been a better word. All right. <laughs> Does it say something about his style as a band leader? Is that what you're saying, Gareth? He's acerbic. I know he's great. I I think he's fantastic. I did. I have done yeah. a, a little bit of work with him, and he's 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 very direct. Let's put it yeah. that way. In that American way. Yeah, and it, and his own way as well. I mean, it's yeah. he's, he's a remarkable character, but he's yeah. he's so passionate, and there is not there is not a louder tenor player in the entire world. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a challenge, Peary. <laughs> yeah. It's not as well. I'm not sure how much of a virtue it is, but he uses plastic reeds, and right. uh, it's it's quite something to behold. Yeah, well, because I was thinking of someone like Pete Wareham as being very loud, but those uh, on stage certainly, and uh, um, it's not. It, it, that kind of works into the sound of the stuff he plays, doesn't it? It's kind of the loudness is an intrinsic thing. Whereas I don't think of Dave Liebman as being that loud, really. But um, well, I haven't sat on a stage with him, so Tommy Tommy Smith's got yeah. a very very big sound. Yeah, uh, Ben Clatworthy as well. Do you remember um, oh, yeah. Ronnie's favourite? But He's good. but I was on a stage with Tommy and Dave Liebman and. It was it was incredible. He, you know, he, it made him Tommy's sound as if he was playing with a sock in the bell. It, <laughs> Dave was so loud. Right. <laughs> incredible. I mean, yeah. because it's passion, and it is entirely coming from passion. Yeah, yeah. Which is a good yeah. place to come yeah. from, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think. I think the first person I thought impressed me that way was Dick Morrissey in, in, in the back in the day with the Morrissey Mullen Band. And, uh, you know, again, you sort of, you're not quite ready for the sound when it comes, you know, it sort of, he's just sort of moseys slightly forward looking fairly harmless. And then suddenly you find your ears have sort of slipped to the back of your head. And, Mor and Mornington Lockett as well. Oh, Mor <coughs> yes, another one, band. yeah. And you're right, it's about passion. It's not just about you know, it is passion, yeah. making a bigger noise. Though I guess in some venues, it's probably a question of both as well, you know, if you're not getting good stage sound or whatever. But uh, yeah, yeah. And it, it, I think, I mean, it's, it's that thing about cool, isn't it, as well, where, where, where you can actually convey an awful lot by restraining that and, and actually um, deliberately underplaying, if, if anything. But it... It's something the the best players that do that don't sound sheepish or diffident. They sound 
like they're deliberately withholding something and therefore it yeah. as, as another kind of emotional expression, I think. There are some singers that fall into that category as well. I, I worked recently quite a lot with Kurt Elling and he's got such, an, such a mm. volume. It's like standing next to, uh, you know, like, no, he's probably the loud, he's probably the loud tenor of the jazz singing world. Um, <laughs> he's, he's the opposite to a lot of other singers who whisper, you know, Shirley yeah. Horn, mm. even Claire Martin, our, our very own. Yeah. But standing next to Kurt Elling is, it's so imprinted what he does right. in terms of the volume. It's quite interesting to, I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from him. But it's a very oh, focused it's sound, very focused isn't, it? sound isn't it? Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It doesn't swerve. Yeah. It's almost, um, it's almost like he's jumping into the sound. He, put, he aspirates a lot of, you know, hi. You know, if he's singing I, he'll put an yeah. H in front of it. Um, uh, and it, it reminded me of, I had Mornings and Lockett was in my band for about 10 years, and it reminded me, the energy and the passion reminded me of Morney standing next to. Uh, him, yeah, but I, yeah, he's the only singer I can think of that sings that loud with that much of an imprint. Um, and his biggest influence, of course, was Mark Murphy, but Mark Murphy didn't really sing like that, he was mm. more um, about sort of air and thumbprints, sort of telling the story and flights of ridiculous bebop fancies, and yeah, different singers. It's almost a, more of an operatic approach, isn't it, in the sense of that having that dynamic and that, that sense of, of volume and control, as opposed to the kind of belting, you know, the sort of blues belting or, or the now it's nice, now it's type, you know, that sort of raw sound, which is basically because you had to get to the back of the stalls or whatever, didn't it, without the benefit of little mics struck to your face. And uh, um, It's interesting, see, I, I went to see him, I think it was at the Cadogan Hall a couple of years ago for the festival, and he was playing with... Um, uh, Jeff Tane Watts, and it, <laughs> it was interesting seeing the two of them together because mm. they met each other's matches really. And afterwards, Kurt said, "Oh man, you know, I took him for a drink afterwards. Oh man, God, that's loud." You know? <laughs> <laughs> it just, and it was, it was, but it was exciting. And as Gareth said, it's about it comes from passion, doesn't it? Hmm. I, I, I love Morrison, Morrison, Nugget. Hmm. Have you worked with him much, Pee Wee? Have you worked with Mornington much? A little bit, a little, a little bit. He's always, he's always impressed me. It's about passion and commitment. Mm -hmm. He's a beautiful player. Gareth and I work with Ian. I mean, you know Ian very well, don't you? Ian Ballam, oh, Pee Wee. Oh yeah, very well. I, I did a show with him a couple of nights ago in Leeds, and again, it's a completely different approach to. <laughs> Sam, I, I, I made a I made a ring to, to, to study with Ian next week. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's lovely. I, I came to see a wonderful gig at the festival. I think it was two years ago, and it was Gareth and Ian doing uh, paying tribute in music to Bill Evans. Mm -hmm. It was a fantastic gig, really fantastic, and. Thank you. Gareth explaining to the audience that, you know, don't walk the bass on the piano. And mm. it freaked me out because that's all I can do if I'm on my own. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I understood exactly what you meant. Um, and it was, it was breathtaking, that show. I've, oh, one of the, One of the best shows I think I've ever heard. We just sat there and oh, wow. we were wrapped. Not just the music, but the stories as well, because mm. you're both good storytellers. <clears throat> and Pee Wee's the same, you know. Pee Wee on stage. Pee Wee's got great comic timing. Yeah. So I came from the comedy circuit. I was a, I started on the alternative cabaret circuit, which was uh, uh, a backlash to Margaret Thatcher. You know, mm -hmm. I came up with people like Mark Steele, Mark Thomas, Joe Brand. So watching those people, and then to go and work with Ronnie Scott was the same uh. sort of thing, really, because it was about making the audience listen with humour. And then they, you've got them, and then they hear yeah. the music. Yeah, and then right. They hear the music because you've got, you've presented them with humour's everything, everything, <laughs> everything. That's right. You know, and then you can make them cry and make them 
clap along and dance in the aisles. And I look, yeah, and Pee-wee's got that. What, what's great standing next to Pee-wee? It's a giggle-a-thon. And then when the, when the music is beautiful, when I get to sing a ballad with Pee-wee, it's so amazingly beautiful. Because it's pathos, pathos, it's yin and yang, you know. It's fantastic. Fantastic. And it was the same with Ian and, and Gareth. It was the same locked-in-ness but at the same time, it was loose, and, and you, it was embracing the audience. Yeah, that's what mu- yes. that's what music should do. You you bring bring you bring them in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Pee Wee does that, uh, and it it's the sort of thing you uh, the, the 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 term X Factor should be st- stricken from all records. Yeah, but charisma <laughs> is what. Is one of the things, one of Pee Wee's qualities, and it's mm. kind of instant. Mm. Uh, you know, admittedly, as a head start, they know who he is and they know what he's done, so he's mm. he's kind of already got them. But then there's the presence, which is undefinable, and it mm. comes from you know, it's it's a presence on stage. How do you define that? I don't know, but it, putting the thing in his mouth and playing mm. Cold Sweat, which he's yeah. done a million times, it still gets them going, and then a few little. You know, remarks to the audience, what they warm, and it, you know, it, it it's not. It, I, I don't think it's quite show business. It's music where yeah. it is music. Yeah, that, the, 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 there is a difference. Yeah, and you can be seen to be laughing on stage, but that doesn't mean you don't take the music seriously. No. It's yeah. fun, but it's also yeah. the most serious thing you've ever gonna do. And each gig is. It, I mean. Personally, I, I, I treat every gig as if it, it's my last. And yeah. I think that's what Pee Wee does. You know, most of yeah. perhaps, perhaps a lot of us do, because it is the most important thing that I can do. Yeah, and I, think, I agree. And I think that's the thing I was saying earlier about jazz, really, about it's, it's, it's so in the moment, it kind of almost is. You know, it is it's the last. You know, you're there, and <laughs> while you're there, it's happening live, and afterwards it's just an echo, you know. So, it's so both, in that sense, it? you... You can't get better than that. You can't get more alive than that. Yeah, as an it's audience both, member. It's like it's both like the first one and the last one. Yeah. 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 First and last. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. I don't like recording. I don't like recording myself. I, I, I'm quite happy to jump in and help out on people's projects, but I hate going into the studio and making an album under my own name. I'm all about the passing moment. Really. <laughs> it is a bit of a pain. <laughs> yeah. well, it's I must admit, sure. I, I I don't like being recorded on a gig. You know, even when somebody, to be honest, when somebody in the band says, "Oh, you don't mind if I record this?" Yes, I do. Well, <laughs> well no, but uh, now I'm going to be worried about how that's going onto the tape yeah. instead of how it's going to go out there. Mm. Yeah. 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 Me too. Me too. Me too. There's a very eccentric um, piano player called Johnny Miller who worked with Van Morrison, uh, among other things. And uh, he was one of the first piano players I met in London. He would not be recorded, ever. Mm. He just couldn't couldn't do it, you know, if he knew that there was a recording. Uh, and if if um, Van was doing a gig where it when it was being recorded, Johnny would very graciously hand over the keyboard uh, chair to someone else. And they had a sort of understanding. Unfortunately, his his entire rack collapsed and he ended up doing this very sort of bizarre Zappa-esque dance on the stage and he got fired. (laughs) (laughs) So there was no more van gigs, but he, you know. (laughs) I'm sorry, but you just said he worked with Van Morrison. I I, I was under the impression that nobody ever worked with Van Morrison. (laughs) You worked for Van Morrison. Yeah. What, what would you say, Mr. Ellis, to that one? Yeah, I think Gareth is right. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm you glad you said that, Ian. I'm going to say about Johnny Miller because I saw the name on your website one time and thought, oh, that's oh, interesting. I think yeah. you said something about one of the greatest piano players. That he was. Um, He's a fantastic piano uh, player. Or maybe yeah, it was yeah. an interview. But anyway, I thought, oh, I must check him out then in that case. And couldn't find anything, of course. You know. No, he won't be recorded. He's no. done one album on Hannibal Records called Shopping Trolley. <laughs> <laughs> which is which has got Harvey Bruff on it. You know, that whole yeah. kind of yeah. uh, sort of Oxbridge Ponzi music. Harvey uh, the Wallbangers, you know. 
yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Not, but he's he's a brilliant piano. He does um he he will often play solo piano at the Crazy Cox, you know, in in town, oh. in London, mm. and it's very very lovely to hear it. He does forty minutes. He's brilliant. Mm. He's brilliant. Um, yeah, he's the first piano player I played with really in in London. But the van thing, yeah, I think one works alongside. I've only ever. <laughs> du- duetted with Van Morrison. I've never really been paid to work with him, so I've only jumped up and done guest spots at various gigs. Um, All and, right, and he's fine with me because I think he's quite curious about me. There aren't many blokes, especially white blokes, mm. singing the blues, mm. you know. Mm. So he's quite. He's always been a bit curious. Um, years and years ago, he he came to Pizza on the Park when I was doing some solo gigs and I'm not a piano I can play the piano a bit but I'm not you know I can accompany and he invited me to join his band uh, on Hammond <laughs> which is something that you re- I mean Gareth Williams man you yeah. know the language of the Hammond is within him it's not within me I don't even know where the stops are <laughs> so that was I don't know whether that was um, uh, it was the testament of Van's kind of oh yeah 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 because basically what he wanted to do it was in his drinking years was so, so that he could um, go off stage for half an hour. And in the end, uh, I mean, the money was shit, but in the end, uh, he got Brian Kennedy did that role on guitar. Oh. Mm. And it was very good for Brian's career, you know, and they became very, very good friends. And they're not such very good friends. <laughs> He's well, a fascinating... I think there's a path in there, isn't there? You I fall in, remember. you fall out. I just remember him coming to Ronnie's and and heckling the the act, which is yeah. just. I mean, of, of all things to do, mm. yeah, as a musician, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the yeah. Jose Mourinho band leading approach, isn't it? Really, which is keep r- rubbishing <laughs> your band and thinking they'll get better if you do it. It's not going to work. I saw him mm. once at, at, at an open day gig, and yeah, he did that. He just kept stop breaking off in the middle of things and going over and sort of shouting at the keyboard player or whatever. Yeah, I mean, he, he behaved. And it's a, as an audience member, that's an unpleasant thing to witness, really. You don't like that kind of behaviour. Yeah. So, where's the respect? I've interviewed him a few times, and, you know, you, you know, all you need to do with Van is just ask him about Hank Crawford or the singers yeah. of the 50s, you know. And once he's in with the music, he's genuinely passionate. And, of course, he adores Pee-wee. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah... <laughs> Let's not talk any more about Van Morrison. No, please. no, let's not. Val yeah, Dunican. Val. Val Dunican now. Yes. Now there's a rocking chair waiting to be filled. <laughs> is that is that your aim there, uh, Ian? Is that a, you, you can see yourself ending up in the uh, comfortable sweater circuit? Well, I was there ten years ago, darling. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that a bit. <laughs> yeah. So there's life after the comfortable sweater thing. Yeah, yeah. It's funny when you get to a certain age and you don't know what to wear on stage. That's a bit of an issue. Just something. <laughs> <laughs> what wear? Yeah, something. Please. Anything. Gareth, you said that as though there's a story behind that. No, <laughs> no. Sometime no. it appeared inadequate. No, no, it's just everybody's got those night, had those nightmares of yeah. the curtain rises and you... Ah! <laughs> you can't... You can't actually put your own pants on, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, everybody's had nightmares like that. It's just something, anything, just something, please. Yeah, please. Here, take this curtain. Yeah. Do you, do you, I mean, well, do, you, do you tend to go for a suit, don't you, when, you, when you're playing a lot of the time? A lot of the time, yes. Yeah. Is that something that came from working with Mr. Brown? or? I. Well, that came from. My influences from the, uh, the jazz players in the thirties and forties, fifties, they wore suits and ties. Yeah. And as a, as a matter of respect, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah, you always look great on stage. I can't wear a suit. I look like I'm about to try and sell you some terrible <laughs> Nissan. <laughs> so why do you want the job, Mr. Shaw? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what qualities will you bring to the place? <laughs> I, like, I, like, I like to wear a suit because it's, it's, it's kind of 
You've got a very fine line in shoes, Mr. Ellis, as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I actually had some, some suits made lately, not lately, but a few years ago. And I like the fact that they have my name inside. Oh, nice. And I, I, I had chosen the lining, you know, and stuff like that. So it felt really me, you know. You still got I that had... striped stripe suit, Gareth. That was a beauty, that was. That was a beautiful oh, yes. suit. Oh, uh, yeah. I had that made. Oh, uh, did you? I had, I had, yeah, I had the two of them made. Two, sort of to my own design. I, mean, I didn't actually draw it, but I explained what I wanted. Bell cuffs and a big lapel and four or five, six maybe buttons down the front. Yeah. Slightly flared. I can't get into it. Oh, what a shame. <laughs> <laughs> it's, of time. It's, it's a leg too small. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little snug. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how sad. I, how sad. I still have it. Because, one of the reasons why I have it is because it, it harks back to an era that I presumably only caught the end of. But there was a tailor in the East... Well, it was, it was in Leighton. Uh, and he was... The, the shop, tiny shop, was called Frank Watts, Modern Tailor. And underneath that, the strap line was Suits to Suit You. Ooh. Long mm. before the... Long before the fast show existed, and these 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 characters don't I don't think they exist. You know, it, it probably started off as the ten bob tailor, but he was a bit better than the ten bob tailor. He was a lot more expensive than the ten bob tailor, anyway. But just guys that would buy fabric from people. You know, do you want to buy this, Frank? Yeah, I'll have that one, and then he'd be able to do you a suit because he had that fabric. But you couldn't go in and order anything you wanted. It was just what he had, and that's great. But equally, he obviously listened exactly to what it was you wanted. And, oh yeah, oh he loved it because it was it was a bit. To be fair, he loved it because it was he loved making jackets. Right. And uh, it was a sort of jacket that he he would love to have made, but nobody wanted for <laughs> obvious reasons. <laughs> hey guys. After one o'clock. Tony, how, how are we doing, Tony? Uh, we're fine, we're fine. It's been really great, actually, and uh, um, and amazing for a morning as well. You know, it's, it's, uh, musicians in the morning are never at their finest, in my experience, for interviews, but uh, you've all done very good. OK, time to frolic. So, uh, t- take care. Thanks very much, everybody. OK, bye then. Thanks. Thanks, Tony. Bye now. Bye. You've been listening to the Bristol Jazz and Blues Festival podcast series. If you liked what you heard, there's many more episodes with some fantastic musicians. Check out our website or come and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.